um, to, to be here tonight. Um, we are starting our first series of the semester. Um, I think we actually have a pretty dope slide that I like. This is sick. Um, as many of you know, I am not um, what you would call artistic. So when I saw this, I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world because I just go to Canva and I click the pre-edits. So I'm like, type in. All of our slides, you're like, Andrew, those are really basic. I said, I know, Canva Pro. It rocks. Um, but we are um, diving this new series. And I just want to kind of give like a little foundation before we dive in. Um, the, we, over the last summer, um, I was just having conversations with people, talking with people of like, Man, what is happening in culture today? What's happening in your world? Um, and this idea of wisdom kept coming up and up um, of, um, like, how do I live wise lives? What does it look like to be a Christian and be wise? What does all this look like? And so just through those conversations, uh, me and Josephine and someone else were sitting down and just talking, and we were just like, hey, why don't we just do a series on wisdom? Um, and so I am excited um, because normally we, like, through the fall, we usually preach on a character. And if you guys don't know, if this is like, hey, you're like, the church is very new to me, um, we're going to do a three-week series on a guy, and his name's Solomon. Um, and just a little brief thing, Solomon was the king of Israel, um, and he was known as like the wisest guy to ever walk the earth. Um, if you read, in, like, in God's word, there's a book of Proverbs, which is like wise sayings. Um, Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. If you read stories of Solomon, you hear of his wise decisions and things. And we just wanted to dive into the life of Solomon and just see what we can take away as being wise. Um, but what I wanted to do this first night, before like, we just get into like, hey, this is Christian wisdom. This is how you live wisely. I, I think what we often miss when we talk about wisdom is what is the goal of wisdom? What is our purpose? Like, I think in general life, um, we desire to be wise, right? Like, thank you. Thank you. This is the response I need. Yeah, we want to be wise. Like, we, we understand that wisdom is something we gain. It's something we have. But many of us don't want to face the truth of why we obtain it and the goal in each one of our lives. And, and so tonight, that's what I want to hit. I want to hit what is, what is your goal of wisdom? Why are you trying to obtain it? And where do we see Solomon pointing us to truth um, inside of that? But first, I want to start here. Last week, my movie reference bombed. I think three of you guys had seen The Matrix. Hopefully, that's doubled or tripled. Um, just saying, it's a great movie. But who here has seen Harry Potter? Please, thank you. Still, I'm actually more upset that half of you haven't seen Harry Potter than The Matrix. My wife, who hates like anything fantasy, like if you met my wife, it's like drama TV, and that's about it. And she loves Harry Potter. Just saying, throwing that out there. But okay, so then I got to really paint this scene. So. Um, at least, hopefully, you know the name Harry Potter is the main character of the book slash movie series. Um, and what I want to do is I want to talk about something that happens in the last book slash ha- last movie. Um, and there's a guy, his name is Professor Snape. Um, all you need to know about Professor Snape is he teaches at the school that like the whole movie revolves around, which is called Hogwarts. Um, and this is all just run down so you guys kind of understand. Professor Snape has this like weird love-hate relationship with the main character. Mostly because when Professor Snape was in school, he loved the main character's mom, like, like, wa- like wanted to pursue a relationship with her. And then his dad was the one who bullied him and made him hate his, his life. So like there's this, this weird dynamic going on with him as he looks at the main character. Did I say something? Right. Um, but, so there's this weird dynamic that's going on that we realize that Snape's whole journey, he was like, he went evil and then he turned to the good um, as like a secret agent to, to do things, right? 
Gross. There we go. Perfect. We're here. Main scenes. What's happening is Professor Snape, at the end of this movie, um, he is facing death. He was just attacked by the guy, um, the ultimate, like, evil villain inside the movie. And he's sitting there, and he's laying, dying, and Harry, um, the main character, is hiding this, in this weird dichotomy of a, of a relationship, a friend, enemy, all these things. And he runs up to him, and they're talking. And there's this weird encounter that happens that, that Snape had, like, kept Harry out of this distance of not knowing what's going on. And in a weird way that I won't go into details because it sounds even weirder, is, like, he opens up the door for Harry to understand all the decisions that he had ever made. He had opened up this avenue for him to understand why he had done what he did and how he did it. And, and then at the very end, and it sounds really weird, but you, it like almost if, you, if you're into Harry Potter, it makes you want to cry. He looks at Harry and he goes, you have your mother's eyes, and he dies. And it's, this, it's like this thing that happens, sounds awful, but what he's talking about is like, it's the final showing of his life. The one thing that he loved the most that he could never have was gone. Okay, what I want to do, what, the reason why I say this, right, is this, is that when we, when many people get to the end of their life, they try to fix and they try to, they try to encapsulate all the things that have happened. And just like Snape, he tried to fix the scene that came along. He tried to make things right. He wanted his last hurrah to be something important. Um, is exactly where we find ourselves in, to, in tonight's passage. Solomon, this king, this powerful guy, had lived his whole life and at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is like almost like a memoir of his life, he, he makes this statement. He brings to the end of his life, he's like, hey, I want you to hear one thing and one thing only. Right? So if you want to um, read up here or you want to flip to it, um, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's in the Old Testament if you're looking for it. And it says this, besides being wise, the preacher, who's also Solomon, um, also taught the people knowledge weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of, many, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret, whether good or evil. So Solomon is ending his life with this like last declaration. This is some of the last writings we have of Solomon um, before, he, like, before he dies and he leaves and he hands off this massive kingdom to his son um, who ultimately goes and squanders it all. Um, but what I want to do is I, I want to land us on this plane as we kind of go forward of this is like, what is wisdom? When we're talking about wisdom, like I know there's many different views, many different thoughts. So I want us to land on the same thing, and it's this, is that wisdom refers to practical skills associated with understanding and living a successful life. Um, I'll say it again. Wisdom refers to practical skills associated with understanding and living a successful life. Right? The thing is, is that many of us like, you would agree, like, I want to be wise because, man, I want to make the right decisions and I want to do the right things and I don't want to look dumb and I want all this part of this. But the question that I think we fail to ask is why? Why, why do we want wisdom? What is so important about this word that I think most of us have heard and maybe for some of us it's like, it's not a common or it's kind of like, it's kind of blurry in the understanding, but this idea of being wise, this, this idea of gaining understanding is so desiring in our hearts. And I think it's this. We want these things because we believe that the outcome of them would bring us comfort. 
right? Our main goal for gaining wisdom in this world is so that we can live comfortably, right? Who here wants to live a hard life? Exactly, right? I don't want that. Nobody here wants a difficult life. We want ease. We want comfort. And the thing is, is if you think through gaining wisdom, it's like, man, if I have enough knowledge, I know when to make the right decision. Or if, I'm, if I have enough wisdom, I can, I can enter into this conversation or this situation and do the right thing. Our lives are filled with wisdom, but the problem that we don't see a lot of the times is that wisdom is trying to gain satisfaction, but we are running face forward into a world that is telling us or giving us wisdom that will not lead us there. In the book of Ecclesiastes, if you were to take time to read through the first 11 and a half chapters, what you would see is Solomon, this very wise man. He lives his whole life trying to find satisfaction. He's trying to figure out how can he be wise in his life that he could one day be satisfied and fulfilled. And let's be truthfully honest, like that's our desire. If if you are sitting here tonight, you desire to have a fulfilled life, one that is satisfying, right? Again, nobody uh, nobody here wants a hard life. Nobody wants wants a difficult life. And so what I want to do tonight is talking about this goal. If, if we live in a world that the goal, or if we live in, a, like, in our lives, if the goal is to be satisfied, what I want to do is I want to point out three things that I think Solomon talks about, but also I think our world pushes in our face of these things will make you satisfied because they're wise things to do. But ultimately, I think that they will leave us hopeless and empty. And these three, three, these three things are this. We try finding our satisfaction through wisdom and knowledge, self-indulging ourselves, and money. So the first place I want to find ourselves is in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. I think all these verses should be on the screen. Um, Solomon writes this, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Right? Solomon goes out and he, he, ta- he tries to find all the un- like knowledge that he can find. And I, this is, I think this is so prevalent in y'all's generation of like knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. I mean, you live in school where you're taking classes. Most, a lot of them don't matter. But um, you, you'll understand when you graduate. You're like, I didn't need that. Um, but it's like we live in a world that knowledge is so important. I mean, just think. I don't have my phone, but I can Google something and I find the answer. I can look something up. Anything I want to know is at the palm of my hand, and it makes me have the ability to be right. It makes me have the ability to look smart. It puts me at this standing of being ahead and above other people. Just like Solomon, who, who had this wisdom, desired to seek knowledge. Why? Because some of us truthfully believe that if we are smart enough, if we know enough, if we have this pinnacle of understanding, we will then be fulfilled and we will then be enough. Um, Jordan Peterson, if you guys know who he is, is, is a guy who's all about this. If you guys read, his, he's a psychologist. I think he's from Canada. Um, but he is like all about this knowledge equals fulfillment. And you may, he may not say it directly, but that's where he's getting to. He's like, our lives will be fulfilled and made whole if you just know. If you've just, if you have dove into the crevices of life and figured everything out, you will be satisfied. And truthfully, the problem that comes here is this, and Solomon says it here at the end of these verses that we have, and he says, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind, something that's meaningless. For in much wisdom is much vexation, 
and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Right, Solomon builds this picture of like, he's like reached the pinnacle of knowledge. Like he kind of flexes on himself. He's like, I have, I have surpassed all above me who have ever come before me. I know. And guess what it brought me? Sorrow. To seek, to seek knowledge thinking that will satisfy you or that will fulfill you or that will make you enough. All that does in that, whiz, that desire to be fulfilled will leave you empty. And I think what he says is perfectly true. Like the more you learn, the more you understand, the more you gain, the more hopeless you really do feel. Right? Who here has watched the movie The Sound of Freedom? It's a great movie. It's a, it's a movie that just came out, um, and it's about um, sex trafficking in our world. It's a story about this man who goes into sex trafficking to bring people out of it. Um, but the thing is, is you can watch the movie and learn all you want about sex trafficking. You can even, there's a day called End It Day where you put a red X on your hand hoping to stop sex trafficking, and you know it's not stopped? Sex trafficking. But you understand more, and guess what? It brings more brokenness in your heart. We think of a big one that we all know is world hunger. That most of the world that we live in is dying every single day because they can't even have food to eat. Great knowledge, and what does it bring? It brings sorrow. Because the thing is, is the more we learn, the more we see brokenness in our world, the more we take in, we see that the world is more hopeless. And what does that bring us to? It brings us to hopelessness. When, when our main goal of wisdom is knowledge, when our main hope to be satisfied and fulfilled is knowledge, we will find ourselves very sorrowful and broken because that is what the world we live in is. The second thing is this. We, we, we attempt to satisfy ourselves through the avenue of knowledge. The second one is this, self-indulgence. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, it says this, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold this also with vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold of foolishness, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under the heaven during the few days of their lives." I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks. I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools for which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. I, had, I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. Pretty much Solomon coming to this point of like, he's like, I had everything. Right? He, he, Solomon, like, this dude is like pinnacle of the pinnacle of everything. And what I find really interesting, he just starts listing all the things that he has endless amounts of. He's like, look, I, I wanted to find, I wanted to be satisfied, so what did I do? I just started getting drunk all the time. I was thinking, hey, if this is what everyone's talking about, this is great. And he drank and drank and drank. He's like, and that didn't work. He's like, okay, but now we go from wine and now we're going to go to something else. I'm going to be satisfied with something else. And he's built, he's like, I'm going to build things right? Like you build something beautiful. Like if you, like one day you guys have the opportunity to build your own house or pay someone to build your own house, but like you get this, um, if you want to build your house, go for it. It's 
good luck to you. But you, you, right, you get this house and you get this custom home and you get to look and you're like, this is beautiful. Well, that's what Solomon did. He built these beautiful places. Like Solomon even built the temple, which is where God resided for a lot of the Old Testament. Like this beautiful work of art that God like, had him construct, he built it. He built, these, he built these pools of water that if you know much about history, the pools of Solomon are still standing today. And their engine, like engineers look at them and stand in awe because the understanding that Solomon could build something this like hard and difficult just blows people's minds. Like the fact that wa- he could build something that water would plant or water things when they're supposed to and fill up when they were supposed to is just insane. Solomon was like built these amazing things and he looks at him and goes, I'm still not satisfied. Right? He, he owned much land. He acquired all that his heart's desired. He had herds and vast amount of people working for him. He gained so much. But ultimately at the end, he says, all was vanity and chasing after the wind. Right? Possessions in this world will never fill the holes in your heart. But that's all we hear, right? Like, what, what is the next thing, right? It's like why iPhone comes out with a new phone every single year, or they come out with a new computer every single year, or there's a new car every single year, or clothing lines come out with something every, like, the goal in our lives is possess, possess, possess. Just wait, the next thing will make you happy if this one doesn't. The next thing you chase after will make you happy. That next person you sleep with is going to make you happy. That next time you go to a party and get drunk, it's going to make you happy. There's always a next that will never fulfill you. But the world says it's wise to keep chasing after the things that will never fulfill. And I guarantee you, you've heard it. Because walking around CSU campus, I'm not even a student. I'm walking around and all I see and hear are people talk about, this is going to make me happy. This is going to bring me something in my life that makes me feel something. But for many in this room, as I can see, is like you've experienced things that you know that they won't. But the world feeds us lies that we to be, to be wise, we just fill ourselves with the next thing, right? And I get it. I totally understand this. Like, when I, when I was leaving college, I was, um, I think, when I was moving from Texas up here, I think I was 23 years old, I drove the junkiest car you've ever seen, and I got my first full-time job. I'm like, perfect. Like, once I get the car, I'm going to be so happy. Like, just any car. Like, this thing, like, going on dates was rough. Like, it was – it's actually – I had that car when I married my wife. Like, the car didn't turn on sometimes, you know <laughs> – but whatever, the car was bad. I was like, I need to get a new one. And then so I get a new car and I'm like, okay, this is gonna make me happy. And I realized it wasn't happy. And I was like, you know what? I need to start buying different clothes that make me look a certain way. And I started buying these things and I'd look in the mirror and i go, man, that's not enough. I need to do something more. And I kept going and going until I found myself, I was completely broke and I was completely unhappy. And I'm 20, 23, 24 years old and I'm sitting there. I'm like, like, God, I've been chasing after other things than you. Everything in my life is what is coming next. What am I trying to fill my life with? Because I believe the wisdom of the world. And I, I mean, to be really honest, I still struggle with it many times in my life. I'm like, man, if I just have that next thing. Like, my things are just a little bit different than you now. I look at it and I tell my wife, like, oh, we need a new house. Right? Or, hey, we need, we need this nicer thing that we can afford. I think a big thing for me is I look at, like, I look at certain things like, man, like I go to Lauren, I'm like, hey, I think I need a new watch because I think if I wear this and I get approval, something will be fulfilled inside of me and it's not. The thing is, all of us have chased after the next thing, just praying and hoping that you will be satisfied. And the truth of the matter is it will never. 
But watch every single marketing or every single commercial, every single thing is telling you, you need that next thing. It will make you happy. Right? Knowledge will never satisfy. Um, the wisdom of knowledge will never satisfy. The wisdom of self-indulgence and possessions will never satisfy. And the last thing I see that Solomon talks about this is that money um, will never satisfy. I think money is like the most, like out of my thoughts and ideas, I think it's the most like thought and talked about thing in our culture. The idea that money if you have enough and you gain enough, will make you, like, just make you happy. Like, our whole culture revolves around it. Like, it's why some of you guys that are seniors, your, your parents are asking, in a good reason, like, not a bad way, but they're saying, like, well, how, like what's the job you're going to have to make ends meet for you when you get out of college? Or for some of you, you're freshmen and you chose your major because you know it's going to make a lot of money. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying e either of those things are wrong or anything of that, but our world revolves around money. Right? How much money do I have? How much money can I gain? How much all these things? And that's why I think everything in our world is running and chasing what can, be, what can get you the money the fastest. That's why I see college, college students, they're in the stock market with their $50 thinking that they're going to make $200 and they're like, I'm pumped. And you're like, don't be dumb. Just save your 50 bucks. Like, right? Like, I had these conversations with people. It's like, these, it doesn't make sense because the idea is like, if I just had enough money, if I just have a few extra here, if I just have this, I know things will be okay. And the problem is, is right now, you think of $100 and $200 as a, as a right thing, but you then get out of college and you think $100 and $200,000 is going to be enough. And then some of you guys will be blessed to have good jobs. You'll think a million or two million is enough and everything will never be enough. And you just go and you go and you go. It's the same reason why rappers, um, actors, singers, athletes, their money's never enough. Everything has to be more. Everything has to be greater. Everything has to fulfill more that can't be satisfied with it. It's, this, it's one of the sad truths that why, um, if you guys have ever heard, um, I can't think of it, the, the they call it the magic year of 28. Um, it's, it's the sad truth that many artists die at the age of 28 because they OD or they commit suicide. And these are people that, I mean, are making millions upon millions of dollars, but it just wasn't enough. I promise you, if you are not careful with yourself, money will become so involved in your life that you'll lose sight of everything else. And Solomon's the perfect guy to talk about it here. Like I said before, Solomon was extremely wealthy. But what we know actually is that, like they've done studies is if you were to transition what Solomon had, like net worth into today, he would, he would, he would cost $2.1 trillion. Which if you, if you know anything about money, the richest man in the world right now is Elon Musk and he's like a third of that. I don't even think, he's like a fourth of that. Like, yeah, billion dollars. Billion, trillion, a big difference, right? Like, Elon Musk is this extremely rich person. Like, he couldn't even buy Twitter by himself, like, which is this whole thing. Like, he had to get people to help him. Like, Solomon was so wealthy, he didn't have to blink at anything. He just bought it. They would, there, there are stories that he would send boats out, and these ships would come in waves of gold and silver, or gold and pearls. He was so rich that silver, a very nice, like, item to buy now, was meaningless. They would just throw it away. It wasn't worth anything because he was so wealthy. 
So when I talk, when we say like Solomon understood money, what he knew and what, he's, what we're about to read about money, he knew in such a deep level because he only had money. He had everything he ever wanted. He fulfilled himself with all these things. And he says these two things in, in Ecclesiastes chapter five. In verse 10, he says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also worthless. And then later on in verse 15 through 17, as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils or works for wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness in much, um, in much annoyance and sickness and anger. Please hear me when people tell you wisdom, the wise thing to do in this world is to chase after money. I promise you, if the ultimate goal of us to be wise is to live satisfied, fulfilled lives, knowledge and, what, and how well you do in school will never fulfill you. Gaining all these things and filling up your life with good, happy, fun things will never satisfy you. Money will never satisfy you. Your life, if your wisdom is set on trying to bring in, you will find yourself hopeless and empty and you will be chasing after the next thing, after the next thing. And I'm telling you this from my own personal life. I know I'm a little bit down the road and I can promise you anyone else you talk to that's further down the road will say the same thing. If you chase after things, you will keep chasing until the day you die. And Solomon understood this. Like I said, this is the end of Solomon's life. This is where he finishes and closes everything. And what I find really interesting is the very last two verses, the very last thing he says in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12. It says, and we read it and we'll read it again. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Like I said, the world we live in, the goal, if the goal of wisdom is to be filled with all these things. And what Solomon says here is everything else is meaningless. The goal of your life is to be wise in seeking after the Lord. If your wisdom is trying to find out how do I live, um, how do I live the commands of the Lord out? How do I chase after God? He says, fear the Lord, which is what we'll talk, what blue um, um one of the guys here on staff is going to talk about next week is like when our lives are set on seeking after God, you will find wisdom that is more fulfilling than anything else. This idea of, of making right decisions and doing right things that come for good outcomes will happen when you seek after the Lord. And the thing is, is though I really want to be honest with you, is that when you live this way, the rest of the world thinks you're really stupid. It makes no sense of why you would say, I don't, I don't care about money. I don't care about possessions. I don't care about knowledge. I want to seek the Lord. That sounds really dumb. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. He says this, For the word of the cross, which is the word, the calling of Christians, the gospel, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning, I will stop. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God made foolish, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God 
though the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Our ultimate wisdom is looking at the cross of, the cross of Christ. When, we, when you ask yourself, what, how do I live a wise life? It is to pursue Jesus with all you have because he is far greater than anything else, right? You don't have to worry about in your life, if I pursue Jesus, will I one day be satisfied? Yes. Will I one day be fulfilled? Will I one day walk away, look, and go, this was enough? The answer is yes. Because the thing is, is right here in Scripture, is that one day when our last breath on earth, we will see Christ face to face for the rest of eternity. That our promise of seeking doesn't end when we die here. The promise is that life will come after this, and it's far better than this. You no longer have to, sh- to chase after money. You no longer have to chase after possessions. You don't have to chase after trying to be satisfied because for the rest of eternity, Jesus will satisfy you face to face with him. And it's foolish for many people to think that the God who created us would humble himself to come down and be a man that's just like us and never sin, never do anything wrong and die on a cross for our sins, the ones who rejected him, the ones who hated him, the ones that pushed him away. That doesn't make sense. But it's the foolish things that the world sees that are actually wise. That Jesus would die and raise again and sit at the right hand of the Father and say, I love you. Pursue me. Be, wisdom is found in me. The ultimate goal of wisdom is chasing after Jesus with all you have and finding your satisfaction in him. I promise you that if you, if you continue to chase after the things of this world, it will leave you empty. So I want to end with this. What wisdom have you been chasing? Maybe it's not money, maybe it's not knowledge, maybe it's not possessions, maybe it's work. Maybe if I just work enough, I can be satisfied. You know, maybe for you, it's like, maybe if I just get in with that group of friends, then that will just be enough. Or maybe, maybe if I dress a certain way, or I make my physique look a certain way, or if I start dating this other person, or if I, maybe if I just get married, all these things, Andrew, I promise I'll be satisfied with those things. What are you chasing that will one day leave you so that will leave you unsatisfied and hopeless? Are you chasing wisdom that leads to emptiness? Or are you chasing after wisdom of the Lord that brings fulfillment and hope? And that's where I want to launch this series out from is as we as we talk about next week of what actually is wisdom, and then the week after of like how do we live wise lives? I want to ask the question of like what is the goal of wisdom? For you, what makes you even want to seek wisdom? What wisdom are you believing? I think that is a far greater starting point for us as we go than just giving you some like, here's wisdom, here's how to do it. Where's your heart? Because the truth is, is Jesus cares far less about your actions when your heart is not towards him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for tonight. Um, I thank you for the words of Solomon, um, Lord, that a man that you gave with just great wisdom and great understanding, 
um, Lord, would seek after broken things of this world, hoping to be satisfied in something other than you. But ultimately, he came to the point that only you, Lord, satisfy. If wisdom is so good, if wisdom is to seek the good things, then ultimately you are the greatest thing we can seek. So Father, I pray for us tonight that, Lord, you would just stir in our hearts. If there's something that we're seeking that isn't you, if there's something we're chasing after, Lord, that is other than you, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal that to us. So Lord, have our hearts, have our minds. Lord, let us just meet you um, tonight. That's your name and prayer.